OCI is the single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash wallstreet. Twitter is no stranger to controversy, but the last few weeks have put even more attention on the social network. The company has become the de facto public square where we gather to talk about politics, culture, and entertainment. The conversations are often difficult, especially in these fraught times. Free speech isn't easy, and Twitter's management and its stock are caught in the middle. I'm Alex Ewell. Today on The Readback, I'm joined by Barron's Bill Alpert, who has just written a cover story about Twitter's opportunities and its challenges. Hey, Bill. Hey, how are you, Alex? I'm well. Thanks for coming on. I'm not going anywhere these days. (laughs) I hear you. So before we get started talking about Twitter, I want to play a clip for you. Anyone can create a tweet, and tweets can be read by anyone. And this has created a level playing field, essentially democratizing content creation and distribution. So that was Dick Costello, who was the CEO of Twitter back in 2014 during the company's first ever earnings call. So, Bill, what does that statement, which came so early in Twitter's existence, say to you about the company and its role really in our society and, and our business world? It's always been a fabulously noisy forum where anybody can come and speak and argue that is quite unique compared to other social platforms where you're only arguing with your friends. Got it. And and that's really become, I mean, we've seen that issue repeatedly in the last decade. It feels like it really became that much more clear in the last few weeks. It sure has been clear. Twitter on Tuesday, for the first time, prompted readers to check the facts in tweets sent by U.S. President Donald Trump warning readers his claims about mail-in ballots were false and had been debunked by fact-checkers. President signed an executive order aimed at stripping away legal protections from social networks so they could be sued or punished for the content their users post. But it's not clear the president has power to do that unless Congress changes the law. Those were the legal protections that in some sense allow them to be the unfiltered forum. Yes, uh, this was a law back at the dawn of the internet where Congress said that these platforms could not be held liable for illegal or nasty things that their users put on them. Got it. So this unfiltered kind of idea wasn't only Twitter saying that that's what they were going to be. They actually had some law to even back them up on it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine how Twitter and Facebook could exist without it. And of course, now there is some question about the future of that protection, and and that's going to become really important to Twitter's future. We'll get to that a little bit later. One thing that I, I think is really important to address with Twitter is that they really have become a public square of sorts for, for the country and for the world. There's no question about their cultural importance. But why is it that the cultural importance never quite seems to be matched by how the company does as a business? I mean, they are still a fairly small stock in the scheme of things, in terms of their market value. It certainly doesn't match up with how important they are to the rest of the world. 
they make their money from selling ads. And there's a question as to whether every advertiser is comfortable putting its name in the middle of a debate like you usually find on Twitter. And you and I had some arguments when we were preparing this story on how much of a problem that is for them. Yeah, we did have some back and forth that I hope made the story even better. But yes, the question I posed to you was, there's a lot of toxic stuff that takes place on Twitter. There's also a lot of great informative stuff, and it's quite captivating. But yeah, I do think there is this question, and, and I, we've seen it probably over the years, of of whether advertisers want to engage with audiences. The eyeballs are there, but do they want to engage with that audience? You talked to Jack Dorsey, the CEO, actually, and the founder of the company. It's a pretty amazing get for an interview. What did he have to say about kind of matching up their relevance with their business prospects? So he claims that debate gives Twitter an authenticity and a credibility with its users and that advertisers who want to participate in that authentic discussion and even debate will benefit from really loyal followers. Are there advertisers that kind of really like the Twitter style, the Twitter approach, and, and, and the, what goes on on the platform? Twitter's eager to say yes. And when I talked to Jack Dorsey, he mentioned Netflix as an example of a big company and a big advertiser that is very comfortable with controversy and doesn't mind being on Twitter's platform uh, in the middle of controversy over a Netflix show or in stirring up controversy with its shows. And that kind of reminds me of this idea that a lot of folks talk about, which is all publicity is good publicity. It certainly has brought a lot of eyeballs to Twitter and their advertisers who are happy to appear in front of those eyeballs. That does make a lot of sense. What's the view from Dorsey and really others at Twitter right now in terms of how they're going to capture the moment. They have struggled at times to actually sell the advertising and to really boost revenues in recent years. Is there a new sense that they finally figured it out? So one thing that Dorsey and his team are working on are to put a little more control on the part of accounts there as to who can reply or where the replies appear. And you can imagine how users might feel a little more secure with that. But he thinks that advertisers and brands will also feel a little more comfortable if they can turn down and control the volume of the responses that their postings draw. I wanted to step back for a second here because this was the first cover story that we've done at Barron's in really many, many weeks that wasn't specifically about the pandemic. You know, the pandemic took over uh, our world. It took over the markets for very good reasons. And so for, for several months now, we've been doing stories just on on the pandemic itself, broader stories. I'm happy that we were able to get back to kind of a company-specific story in, in our latest issue. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we were able to do it with Twitter, right? Twitter has become this thing that represents so much else. And really, it's specifically free speech that, that we're talking about. And that's kind of at, at issue here. And that's something that our country has struggled with for centuries. Free speech is hard. And what are your thoughts there? I mean, what, what, where, where does Twitter come down on that? And where did they come down on free speech? And, and have the latest moves they've taken around the president changed their views? on free speech, do you think? 
Well, as journalists, we live in the world created by this country's tolerance of free speech. And discussions of free speech almost always find themselves uh, centering on ugly statements that people make. A platform devoted to free and open debate is you know, going to have some unpleasant content. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I think it's just amazing that uh, that we're able to find a stock that is so tied to the future of free speech. To me, it's just a pretty a pretty remarkable thing. So let's talk about the stock a little more to just turn this you know back to the business world. What's the future for this stock? In recent months, activist investors who are the types of folks who like to buy stocks where they see kind of a disconnect in value have come aboard. Taking a look at one stock that is surging today, we have Twitter, and this comes following reports that Elliott Management has taken a large stake in the social media company. Now, Elliott will reportedly be pushing for sweeping changes, including possibly outing... They're agitating for change now, largely because they see opportunity in sort of the importance that is Twitter. They see monetary opportunity. Talk to us a little bit more about that, Bill. Well, there's leverage for an activist in the case of Twitter that you don't have in the case of other large internet platforms like Facebook or Google, where the founders gave themselves shares with super voting power and can't be voted out. Uh, In the case of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, the CEO, only has about 2% of the uh, voting stock in the company. So the activists could come in. And in Elliot's case, I think they have about 4% of the stock and they can round up enough investors to really turn up the thermostat in the boardroom. They see the terrific growth in users on Twitter and wonder why advertising revenue hasn't grown apace. Uh, One of the things we show in the article is that even as user growth revived in the last year, their revenues haven't grown at as fast a rate. And so the platform's revenue per user has actually kind of flattened and gone down a few times. And that's a, a key measure in this business. And is that kind of a big part of what's caused some folks to come in and say, hey, guys, we see your importance here. But we think you can do a much better job running the business and actually turning that importance into value for investors. Yeah, it's no question. It's a business that's supported by advertisements. And so the challenge is to grow advertisements as uh, strongly as you can. So what more can they do about it? And is Jack Dorsey kind of the right person to get this all done, do you think? He told me that, you know, his job is always at risk and that the arrival of the activists um, didn't change that. You know, he's a very kind of even keeled sounding fellow. You know, I have the sense that uh, he's at the center of criticism from every direction for years, uh, certainly for the raucous content that one confined on Twitter, but now uh, also from Wall Street for the company's performance. And so he evinces a very calm and reasoned response to that. 
Yeah. You lay out a pretty bullish case for the stock itself in your story. Part of it is the things that they're doing to try to fix the advertising side of the business. Part of it is having these activists on board to hold their feet to the fire. Give us a little more sense of sort of what gets things maybe going even more for the stock. And do you think it can grow into its cultural significance a little more from a business perspective? absolutely do think that it can grow into its stock's potential, and that's why we did the story. But the stock's underperformed the market and you know other stocks like Facebook and Snap in the last year, and it's suffered recently in its revenues because COVID has hurt it. It traditionally is tied to product launches and events like World Cup soccer or football games. Things that are all canceled right now. Yeah, the NFL and uh, all that stuff's on hold. So its users uh, grew you know, 25% uh, in the March quarter, but its revenues were flat. All right, Bill, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I want you to look into your crystal ball and tell me where Twitter is five years from now. I feel comfortable that Twitter is going to bring on more ads and more kinds of ads that's going to make its revenue go up. It's going to remain in the white hot spotlight of our culture. And I think that will boost its revenues and uh, its stock. And if it doesn't happen, as in the case of other companies where people like Elliott Management became activists, uh, the company could be sold at a premium to another media or internet company. And you know that would lift the stock too. Well, Bill, that sounds like it would make for a, another fascinating podcast for sure. And we're going to be watching Twitter closely, I know. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you again soon. You bet. To read Bill's cover story about Twitter, check out the latest edition of Barron's. And as always, Barron's.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Meta Litoft and Katie Ferguson. We'll be back next week. Zscaler extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines trained by 500 trillion daily signals to prevent ransomware and AI attacks that target business. Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI. Learn more at zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.